So we are uh, continuing in the Circle Maker series. We took a couple weeks off because um, we had Epworth, and then we had uh, a, a, a kind of a one-off week, and then last week we weren't meeting for United. So we're back for the last two weeks of the Circle Maker, the series on prayer. Um, if you remember, the uh, first week we talked on uh, just circle makers in general, what it means to pray circles around things, kind of introduced the series, talked about, about the, uh, the Israelites going to Jericho um, and essentially kind of doing those first prayer circles around the city of Jericho. Uh, then the next two weeks, uh, myself and then Cole talked about uh, praying boldly, playing, praying bold, big, specific prayers, um, not really feeling like we need to pray these small prayers that God can handle, but knowing that he can handle anything. Um, the following week, uh, uh, Cole preached about praying hard, what it means to like pray with some grit, pray with some emotion, not just sit there and be like, okay, God, do this, do this, do this, and go through a laundry list, but to uh, be emotional about it. Ask him with, with, with uh, I guess what you might call fervor. Um, in, in Psalms, throughout Psalms, David would pray these prayers that were so real, so honest um, with God. And, and that was kind of what that week was about. And so tonight we're going to talk uh, about a, a, another part of prayer, another aspect that the Bible talks about. But first, um, I want to ask a question. Have you ever been like so excited for something uh, you just like literally couldn't wait? Like you told all your friends, I can't wait. Um, I can't wait for uh, whatever to drive. I can't wait um, to get a car. I can't wait for my birthday. I can't wait for uh, my favorite holiday. I can't wait to go on a vacation, anything like that. We all get excited about things, right? Right? Okay, very good. You are all human beings. You get excited about things in your life. And, um, and the thing that that happens when we, when we do that is a lot of times we say this, this phrase, I can't wait. And we say it kind of just like, we just kind of throw it around. But if you really think about what that means, like you're literally saying like, I cannot wait. Like there is no way I can make it to this event. Like there's no way I can last 24 hours. There's no way I can last three weeks. There's no way I can last two months. Like it's not gonna happen. I have to have this event, this thing, this stuff, this relationship right now. I can't wait. And we get so excited. And we live in this culture that is... Um, all about instant gratification. If you don't know what instant gratification is, it's kind of like uh, living life in a microwave. Like we want everything right now. That's why we have like this massive section at a grocery store that's called like instant dinners. Because I don't want to cook a steak for, for 30 minutes. I want to be able to microwave it for 30 seconds and I want it to fulfill me. Or I, uh, you know, that's why we have so many fast food restaurants. We have all these restaurants where people want to go and get a meal quickly. Oh, I don't want to wait 20 minutes for a serve. I don't want to pay a tip. I just want a meal right now. I want to get what I want right now. We have this instant gratification uh, world, and especially in America. Like, that's why, like, we do, uh, that's why we have stores, because I got to get it right now. That's why we have online shopping, because, you know, I can't find it anywhere else. I got to get it, and I got to do one-day shipping, so it gets here quickly. We want everything right now. We're so impatient many times. We, we, we really, we're like, oh, I can't wait till I graduate. Oh, I, don't, I just want to make it through the next three years. I just want to make it through the next six years until I finish and I'm just done with it. I can move on to the next thing. And so many times we're just looking forward and not living in the present. We're just so impatient. And as we get older, a lot of times you might think, well, you're only excited about things when you're little. That's not really the truth. The, the feeling of like, I can't wait for something never goes away. You could be like a grandma or grandpa and you're still excited for things. It's just like the things that you get excited about change. So when you're like a three-year-old, you can't wait to get a doll or a toy or the, the action figure or whatever. I used to collect Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. Anybody know what those are? Okay. Well, the ones that they have in stores now are not like the original ones that were awesome and that I had um, um, when I was growing up. They, they were like the original Red Ranger. He was a, a beauty. He wasn't like this like dinosaur space cadet 
Mighty Morphin Power Ranger like that they have now. It was like the original thing, and I was pumped to get it. And so when you're young, you have all these things that are like, now you would look back and you'd be like, oh, that's stupid. Why, why did I get so excited about an action figure? Why did I get so excited to go to McDonald's? Why did I get so excited to, to go to Disney World or to, um, to ride on a ride or whatever? You, you might look back on those things and say, well, th- those were stupid. But the truth is, you just have the same things now, but now they're called boyfriends and girlfriends. Now they're called vacations. Now they're called graduation. Now they're called, I got a car. Um, I got to go to this party or I got to go to this event that I was excited for. It's like the chain, the, the feeling never changes. It's just the things that we want. And um, when I was uh, growing up, well, I, I still get, does anybody just love Christmas? Does anybody love Christmas? Thank you. That's why we are going to play Christmas music for the whole month of December at United. We're not going to stop. And if you get mad, just don't come because we're listening to Michael Buble Christmas and it's just a beautiful thing. I'm just kidding. Please come anyway and just, just, just uh, sit through the music. But we're going to listen to Christmas music because we love Christmas. Not just, um, not just like the, uh, you know, the, the parties and the, and the music and the lights and all that stuff, but it is the time of year when we celebrate Jesus um, coming down to earth to die for our sins, to come and be and live among us. But we love Christmas. I love Christmas. I've always loved Christmas. Um, and when I was growing up, I would say Christmas was a thing that I literally, like, I couldn't wait for. Like, I would start counting down the hours at, like, 100. So 100 is, like, uh, three and a half days. Um, so I would, like, start counting the hours down from 100. I'd be like, okay, 93 hours left till Christmas morning. Nine, uh, and then I'd, I remember one time ch- jumping on the trampoline in Tampa and, uh, and me being like, all right, 72 hours till Christmas. I just, it's Christmas Eve, 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 and I'm just pumped up about it. And, uh, and this is something to celebrate. We don't get Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve every day. And so this is, this is an amazing thing. And I would be so excited because, I mean, obviously when you're growing up, what, what are you most excited for on Christmas? Presents, right? Ah, Jesus, whatever. What, what am I going to get for, pre- for Christmas? That's what we're, that's what we're like as, as, as American children. We're just like, ah, oh, just give us more stuff. I just want more stuff. Is that all? Is that it? And then we start, do you ever do the thing where you start looking under the back of the Christmas tree and you start crawling up under like, maybe, maybe I missed something that Santa brought. Maybe there's just like a small, very small package in the back or maybe something uh, fell underneath the, the, the tree skirt. There's gotta be something else, right? And then, and then you start saying that to your parents and they're like, they're like roll their eyes like, oh, this kid, what, what do we do? What, 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 have, what have we raised? This is a monster. Like he just, he or she just wants everything. Um, but I just love Christmas and I would, I would wake up uh, on Christmas morning, and I'd wake up at like 6 a.m., like before the sun even rose, and I'd be like, ah, oh, it's Christmas, and I'd run into my parents' room, and I'd, you know, jump on their bed, like, okay, it's time to get up. We gotta, we, we gotta go. It's time to, we gotta get this thing started. No breakfast. We're not, and my parents always make, make us read, and, and now I appreciate it, but back then, I got really upset that we had to read the Christmas story, but when you're in a preacher's family, that's what you do. You wake up, and you read the Christmas story, and so we'd sit there, and, and Lindsay was having trouble. <laughs> Oh, Ashley knows about this. Lindsay was uh, struggling with reading when I was like in my prime of being obsessed with presents. And so she was like five years old and she'd be like, and be, what's this word? Behold. behold. Um, and I was like, gosh, Lindsay, give me the book and learn how to read so that we can get through this and open some presents. Come on, like we ain't got time for this. And so I was just so impatient with Christmas growing up. And I remember I couldn't go to sleep the night before. And then like one time I woke up in the middle of the night, I finally went to sleep, but I woke up and it was like 3.30 and I was like, oh gosh, and I couldn't go back to sleep. And so I'd gotten like a book the night before, but there's this weird thing, like I, I was at the age where like, you shouldn't turn on your lights in the middle of the night, you should just keep them off, like it, that's not really allowed, I wasn't really independent yet. And so I went down to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers helmet nightlight and I opened up my book and I read the entire book until 6.30 a.m. 
and then, and then I finished the book and I was like, okay, it's time for Christmas because I just couldn't go back to sleep. That's how excited I was. And, and that was just one of those things that I could not wait for. And many times, um, many times in, uh, in prayer, I would say, as we kind of make the transition to talking about prayer, it, so many times in prayer, we're so impatient. We're, so, we're, we're, we're very instant gratification. So we pray for something for like a day, right? And, the, and then it doesn't come. And then we're like, oh, gosh, God, like, are you ever going to answer me? I prayed about this like two times. Like, when are you going to, to, to do this? I, I'm just, like, I'm sitting here waiting. I'm asking you. You told me to ask you. I'm just asking you. And, and, and I don't think you're listening, God. And we're so, we have this instant gratification, this impatient approach to prayer. And so tonight, as we talk about uh, the, kind of the fourth week of this Circle Maker series, we're going to talk about the idea of praying long. And so the first point is to think long and pray long. Think long and pray long. And thinking long uh, is like that we're dreaming of, 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 of like the God-sized dreams for our lives, the things that may not happen in, in the next two months. They might be 10, 15 years off. It might be, uh, you know, a, a God-sized dream for your career or for a family or having kids or getting married or, or, or somewhere you want to live or something you want to do, something you want to achieve. But you got to think long. You can't, it's not going to happen right now. You got you to think a little bit more long and you've got to pray long. So you've got to pray for something starting way out in advance because it's that important to you because you're looking forward to something that God is going to do. So open up to Daniel 9, Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to look at three verses. Daniel chapter 9, it's in the Old Testament, a little bit past Psalms, a couple books past Psalms. Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to read about a guy who understood this idea of thinking long and praying long. So Daniel was a, Daniel was a, a, an Israeli, a, a Jewish man. And uh, when he was very young, uh, their, uh, the country of Israel came under siege. They were conquered by the Babylonians. And so they took off like they took the greatest, like the best people, like the, the smart, the good-looking, the royal subjects, the people with the bloodlines, and they said, we're not going to kill you, we're not going to leave you, we're going to bring you with us, because you, we want you to serve in our court. We want to um, take your talent, basically, and use it for our kingdom. And so Daniel was one of these guys, so at a very young age, he goes into uh, life as a royal subject uh, for the Babylonians. And this is what he says in, uh, in chapter 9, verses, uh, verses 1 through 3. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, so this is Daniel writing, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation or the exile or the destruction of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So we'll stop there for a second. So what he's saying is, I'm in this situation right now, in the destruction, the desolation, the exile of Israel. And I understand from reading the scripture, reading the prophecies, that this is going to last 70 years. Now, he's saying this very early in these 70 years. And so there's, a, there's, there's something he's recognizing. Most likely what I'm about to ask isn't going to happen in my lifetime. Most likely what I'm about to ask is a very long way off. I understand God has already told me through scripture that it's going to be 70 years. And look what he says in verse 3. So, in light of the fact that it was 70 years away, he says, so... I turned to the Lord God and pleaded, 
prayed hard is a, is a word that you might, or a phrase you might uh, replace pleaded with. I prayed hard. I prayed boldly with him in prayer and petition and in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Many times when people were, were praying with, with such emotion and such fervor, what they would do is they would, um, they would fast, meaning that they would not eat for a period of time so that they could further um, push, put all of their kind of put all their eggs in one basket, that they could, that they could take away all the distractions uh, of the world and just focus on God. Maybe they would even feel that hunger, those hunger pangs, because they hadn't been eating, and they would think, okay, it's time to pray. Okay, I got to go to God in prayer. I need to want God as much as I want food. And then they put themselves in sackcloth and ashes because the roughness of the sackcloth and the ashes all over their body would remind them that they were not living for the present or the nice things or, or for nice clothes or for for just the, the things that the world have to offer. They were living for God and that they could not trust in nice clothes and great food and all that. They had to trust in God. So he prays hard. He prays with everything in him. He does every technique he knows for something that he will never see, for something that he will never be a part of. In fact, he would, uh, it, it describes how Daniel would pray and he would pray with the window open facing Jerusalem, facing a city he was never gonna see, facing a city... Um, that he was not going to see come back to life, that he was not going to see his people go back to. But Daniel prayed with urgency about things that were not urgent. He prayed with urgency about things that were not urgent. Um, he wasn't in catch-up mode with his prayers. Uh, many times in our prayers, we're in this catch-up mode. We're like, okay, someone's sick now, let me pray for them. Okay, financial problems are coming now, let me pray. I, I, I didn't study all week, but now I have a test, so now I'm going to pray. Um, you know, I've I've wasted the last two years of my life doing something that didn't matter, but now I really want something new. So let, let me just pray for it now because I'm in this desperation mode. If you've watched football, you know um, in a desperation situation, they throw a pass known as a Hail Mary. And they call it a Hail Mary because it is out of desperation that they do it. There may be one second on the clock. There may be no seconds on the clock. If you watch the Green Bay Lions game last Thursday night, there was a play where they had a, a face mask and they got one untimed down and it was, they were uh, 61 yards from the end zone and they had one play and they were down by like three points. And so Aaron Rodgers ran around and he threw up a Hail Mary and it happened to be one out of like the 100 or 200 times where someone actually catches it. They caught it. They won the game. They went crazy. But we call that a Hail Mary because it's a long shot. Like, it's like throwing up that last second prayer of a pass or last second prayer of a shot and just hoping that it falls, hoping that something works out. And a lot of times that's our prayer life. We're like, oh God, just fix this situation, please. I know I haven't prayed about it. I know I haven't done anything about it. Um, I know that it's, it's a last second attempt and we just like throw our desperation attempts at God. And, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. All prayers um, are good as we pray to God, but there's a way that we can live our lives where we pray long-term, where we begin to pray about things way in advance. And this is what Daniel did. He prayed ahead of time. He prayed with urgency about things that weren't urgent. So here's a few things about how to change your prayer perspective to pray and think long. <clears throat> here's the first thing. See prayers as seeds. See prayers as seeds. You know, some plants, I was, I was doing some research, there's, there's some types of bamboo that grow like a foot a day. And so you can literally like watch them grow. They're like known as a plant that you could kind of just watch and you can see it change. And then there's other trees. There's a, there's a white cedar that grows, um, I think up in Maine, like on the, on the side of a cliff in Maine, that it will take about 150 years for it to grow six inches. 
150 years. So you might, somebody might be hiking and they might just step on it and think, oh, that's just a weed. And it's been growing for 150 years. And that's the way that, that, that prayers are, is that we've got to see them as seeds. Like some of them will happen quick. Some of them will take a very long time. But just because we're not going to see the end product, just because we're not going to see uh, the answered prayer, doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray it. We should be casting out seeds, casting out prayer seeds all over. And if we begin to do that, if we begin to recognize that just because we're not going to see the ending of it doesn't mean it's not worth praying. If we begin to see that, it's going to change the way we pray. We're going to begin to pray and think long. The second thing is to view prayer. This kind of goes along with the first thing. View prayer in terms of eternity. View prayer in terms of eternity. Because God doesn't really operate on time like we do. God has always been and will always be. He thinks eternally. And so while we're sitting here on earth and we're like, oh my gosh, three months? Oh, how am I ever going to make it through this? God has already answered our prayer. In eternity, he's answered the prayer. And we may not see it right away because he doesn't operate on time. He doesn't, just because he says something doesn't mean it's going to happen right away in our lives. But we can be sure that as soon as we pray a prayer, there is a yes, there is a no, there is maybe not that, but I'm going to do something else for you. There is an answered prayer. And we just have to wait to see it. We just have to wait and know that God doesn't operate on time like we do. So we need to view our prayer in terms of eternity and and know that prayers never die. So we may pray a prayer about someone or somebody and we should know that that prayer doesn't just go away. It doesn't like, it's not like a wisp of air or a wisp of breath in cold weather and it just disappears and it's never to be seen again. It continues to circle around in kind of the spiritual realm for the rest of eternity. There are prayers, um, there are prayers that your grandparents prayed over you that are still circling around your lives right now. There are prayers that your parents prayed over you before you were even born. Your parent might have been in high school and said, Lord, I just want, I just want, I just want to pray for my future babies. And that circle, that prayer is still circling around you. There are prayers that your pastors have prayed over you, that your teachers have prayed over you. A lot of times you look at teachers and you're like, they're just teachers, they're people. And a lot of them know Christ and a lot of them pray for their students and they see you guys as their mission field. And so they pray over you guys daily and weekly. And their, 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 their prayers are just circling around you. Your life group leaders, they pray over you. They pray over you all the time. And, th- and this is something that you should understand, that your, your life group leaders don't just come for one hour and that's the only hour that, that they, they think about you all week. There are prayers that go into you. They, there are times where they think about you, where they, they reach out to you. They're here at United. They come to baseball games. They come to uh, basketball games and plays. They, they care about you because it's more than just that one hour each week. They're praying over you. And those prayers are continuing to go around you. Your friends have prayed over you. There have been people that have prayed over this city hundreds of years ago, or when the city first started, there are people that have prayed over this nation, prayers that are still circling around you. So prayers should be looked at in terms of eternity, and that will help you pray and think long. Last thing is realize that prayer changes us. Realize that prayer changes you or me. So this is what this means. It means that even in the absence of an answer, so let's say we pray for our family. Um, we, We pray for Uh, uh, a bad relationship in our family. Perhaps that prayer won't be answered in the way you think it's going to be answered. Perhaps that relationship won't just get better or there won't be healing or everything won't be fine and dandy. But God, through prayer, is changing your heart. So he's changing the way you feel about that person, the way you love that person, the patience you have for that person. 
and, and, and your heart towards that person. And, and, and after a while, you don't feel this bitterness towards them. After a while, you don't feel like, gosh, I hate them. Gosh, why are they like that? Why? I, I can't stand that person because through prayer, God is changing your heart. And we've got to realize that even as we pray long, even if we don't see that answer right away, even if the answer's 10 years away, he's still preparing you right now. He's changing your heart right now. If there's a dream that you have that God has for your life, let's say one day to be a missionary, and you know it's not going to come for, for 15 years, or, or, and it doesn't have to be a, like a spiritual thing. It could be um, that one day you want to have a certain kind of job, and you know that's not going to come for a long time, or you're, you're, you're kind of going through school, and you're like, when is something going to change? When is this going to happen for me? But God's preparing you. He's doing little things in your lives that are changing your heart, that are preparing you to take the steps that you're going to need to take one day when his God-sized dream for your life reveals itself. So we're going to look at one other example in Scripture of praying long, and uh, it just happens to be from the Christmas account, um, and it's in Luke 1. Luke 1. So open up to Luke 1, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 25. Luke 1, verses 5 through 25. This is, um, this is the account of the, the, the way John the Baptist came to be born. So Luke 1, verses 5 through 25, I'm going to start reading. You can uh, kind of jump in whenever you get there. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they, were not, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and because they were both very old. So she was barren. She was not able to have a child. And they were both old. So even if she wasn't barren, even if she could have a child, they were too old to have children at this point. Once when uh, Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. I just want you to notice there, perhaps this whole thing doesn't happen if all the assembled worshipers aren't outside praying. Perhaps their circle, their prayers that are circling the temple at this time are are part of the reason this encounter happens. So verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled. All of a sudden there's this humongous spiritual warrior in front of him flying and uh and angels were fearsome fearsome individuals and so he was gripped with fear but the angel said to him do not be afraid Zechariah your prayer has been heard your prayer has been heard your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of sight of the Lord he, will, he is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of his parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. In other words, are you sure? Like, is this really going to happen? Have you, I don't know if you know this angel, but uh, my wife's barren and we're really old. Like this isn't, I don't think you've, I don't think you've thought this through. This, this can't happen. Angel, I'm sorry. I think you might be with the wrong person. But the angel says to him, I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, until the day he is born. 
because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, Elizabeth said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Notice the words in verse 13. Is it 13? Yes, 13. The angel says, your prayer has been heard. Now these people, these people are very old. They have lived for a long time and they would have been married at a very young age in this culture. And so they have been praying this prayer for decades. They've been praying long. They've been praying for something that just wasn't happening. And, and perhaps, perhaps they had even given up on the prayer. Maybe he was, maybe he said, um, you know, your prayer has been answered. And Zechariah was like, what prayer? Like, what are you talking about? I, I'm not sure what you're referring to. Oh, that prayer. Yeah, we kind of gave up on that a long time ago because it had been decades and they had lived in this scrutiny of people that said, oh, you can't have children. God must not love you. You're sorry. Sorry, but you know, your family line, it's not gonna continue, Zechariah. Your name, you never are gonna have a firstborn son, which was very important. Sorry, Zechariah, it's, it's over for you. You just gotta live your life and, uh, and then you're gonna die and then it's over. And they lived this life that was just surrounded by the doubt and the, and the kind of just fear that came with not having children, not being able to have children. So imagine how long they prayed. Imagine how many doctors they went to see. Imagine how long um, they, they were in anguish about this, the hopes that they, that they got up when, when she may have felt like, oh, I think I'm pregnant. Or maybe a doctor said, you're pregnant. It, it's gonna work. Perhaps they had had miscarriages. Perhaps they had had situations where they got their hopes up and they were like, yes, we're gonna have a baby and they all were dashed. Imagine the sadness, imagine the impatience. Imagine how many times they said, we can't wait. We can't wait for God to answer this prayer. And imagine God sitting up there saying, just wait. Do you, do you realize what I'm gonna do for you? I'm not just gonna give you a kid. I'm gonna give you a son. I'm not just gonna give you a son. I'm going to give you a prophet. I'm not just gonna give you a prophet. I'm gonna give you the greatest prophet, the one that is going to pave the way for Jesus, but you just have to wait. God had already answered their prayer and they just had to wait some decades. And God's sitting up there like, come on, man, just trust me. Have some patience. I'm about to send an angel. Imagine the day before when Zechariah's like another day. <sighs> another day, he walks past other people with kids and he says, I don't have kids. When am I going to get kids? It's hanging over his head. And, and God's like, one day, just wait one day, trust me for one day, pray for one day. I'm sending an angel your way. I'm sending Gabriel your way. He is going to tell you what I have for you. I have something greater than you could ever imagine, but you just have to pray long. You have to think long. You have to not give up on your prayer. And if we look at through history, this happened over and over in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah, they were barren, they were old, and then they have Isaac and, and, and Abraham had this, this promise over his life that he was going to be the father of a great nation. And he's like, I can't even have one kid. And God said, just, just wait. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Noah was, was told to build an ark. And many times we think, oh, great, he built an ark in a few months. But he spent like 100 years building an ark, being made fun of, ridiculed. And he had to just keep praying and keep trusting in God that God was going to come through, that God was going to bring rain. And God was just saying, 
keep praying, keep trusting, keep thinking long term. And I'm going to come through. The disciples, they, they, they had this dream of this great nation. And, and Jesus said, it's not going to really happen the way you think. And then they start to gain all these crowds. And they go into Jerusalem. And they're like, this is it. And then Jesus gets crucified. But then he raises back from the dead. And they're like, okay, this is it. We got a dead man walking alive with us. We're going to take over this nation. We're gonna, everyone's going to follow us now. And then Jesus says, I'm leaving. And just wait. Be patient. Keep praying. Keep thinking long. Think, keep thinking about the kingdom of heaven and praying about the kingdom of heaven because it'll come. But just wait until I send the Holy Spirit. So here's the last two things. Praying long requires trust in God. Praying long requires trust in God. Praying long requires trust in God. All these situations in the Bible, they had to trust that he was gonna come through. All these situations, they had to trust that God had answered and that he was gonna come through on his own time in the way that he needed to come through. So praying long requires trust. And the last part is praying long requires patience. But here's the deal. It's very, it's, I won't say very easy. It's a lot easier to be patient when you have trust. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God loves me, he's for me, he listens to my prayers, then it's a little bit easier to be patient with him because we know he's not a God that is not for us. He's not a God that, that hates us, that doesn't want us, want to give us the desires of our heart, doesn't want to give us his greater plan, his greater dream from our li- for our lives. He is a God that wants those things. He is a God that wants to come through on his promises. So it's a little bit easier when we think in that way and when we trust God to be patient with him. So pray long and think long. We're going to check out a video from uh, a woman in our church that's on the uh, prayer team. And uh, she had a, uh, she, she prays every uh, Monday morning in our chapel for all the prayers of the church. And she has a uh, prayer request from her own life and, and a situation where she had to pray long term. So check it out. So as you saw in that testimony, she, she knew she was praying for something that was a long term thing. She knew she was thinking long term and that she was going to have to begin to pray about something with urgency that wasn't necessarily urgent at the moment. And so my closing challenge for you, and we're going to sing a couple songs together, um, is just this question. You can write it down in your notes. We're not going to do, um, we're not going to do some really crazy response tonight, but I want you to write down the thing that comes to your mind when I ask you this question. What would happen if you focused your prayer on one thing or on one person or on one situation for either one month or even for a full year? What would happen if you just focused your prayer life on that? Every time your mind went to prayer, you went to this. Every time you saw that person or this situation, you begin to pray for it. And you said, I don't care how long it takes, I'm gonna pray long term. What if you looked at that, that dream for your life, that dream for the future, whether it's something that's related to, to family or a, a job or a college or a relationship? And you started to look at that and you said, I'm going to pray right now every single day for that thing. If you have a friend in your life or, or a family member in your life that doesn't know Christ, and we talked about it at Epworth, being a light to them, but it's not as easy as just going home and they come to Christ. It's a long-term thing and you know it's a long-term thing. What if you focused your prayer every single day on that one person? That one person. And you said, I'm just going to keep praying for it. I'm going to think long. I'm going to pray long. 
So I'd love for you, if something came to your mind when I asked you that question, one thing that is a long-term thought or one thing that's really pressing on your heart, maybe it's the thing that we talked about, what is your Jericho a month ago? Maybe it's that same thing, maybe it's a different thing. But I want you to think about that. I'd love for you to write it down and to commit to yourself just for a week. I'm gonna pray for it every day for a week. And then it'll turn into two weeks. Or, or maybe you finish a week and, you, and it just, just starts breaking your heart and you say, okay, I'm gonna do a month. But whatever it is, I want you to pray like crazy. Pray long-term, think long-term.